the fourth week of this study of the most famous prayer in history. And, and although it's so well known, I, I think it's a lot more transformational than, than we typically let it be. Um, we can just let this be words that we recite, but we don't really live it out, right? And, and so, so I wonder, I mean, maybe you're taking, uh, taking advantage of this, maybe not. Maybe as we're doing this on Sunday morning, then you're going, oh, maybe I should. And so I don't know, are you praying this in your, in your personal lives? Are you, are you taking time to, to think about the significance of this as we're walking through? I'd, I'd love for you to do that, uh, so that so that in your personal prayer times, you are praying with Jesus, and then we're, uh, we're, we're digging, digging th- through it as we uh, walk through this together this fall. Uh, this morning, we're, we're going to recite this again together, but, but I want us to do more than recite it. I want us to mean it, right? I, I want us, uh, and, and, and I also have it up uh, today in a different translation. So it's going to be a little different. Don't just zone out. You got to focus in on, on what it says. This is from the New Living Translation. Let's, uh, let's read it together today. David, go ahead and put that up there for us. Together. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And today we're zeroing in on that little phrase, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven heaven. This, this phrase, your will be done, is definitely tied to the one we looked at last week, uh, that, that God's kingdom would come, God's kingdom come, uh, God's will be done. Uh, living in the kingdom of God involves doing God's will, right? And, and the, the, the phrase at the end there, on earth as it is in heaven, probably uh, is in relation to both of those phrases, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, thy will be done on earth as it is. Some even argue that, that uh, the, the, the encouragement that, that we pray hallowed be thy name, that, that phrase could also be tied to that uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus wants us to pray for God to break into this world and to do his heavenly work. That's, that's what Jesus is encouraging us to pray for, that God would break into our world and do his work. But I want to be perfectly clear here. God doesn't, do I say it? God doesn't need you to pray this prayer. He's the king, remember? He's God of everything. He's, uh, uh, I don't know if I want to say, he's large and in charge. Are we li- I don't know that I want to say that about God, but uh, he's, he's, uh, he's the holy God in heaven, right? Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. He is the king. He is all powerful, all knowing. He's everywhere. I guess what I'm saying is God could force his will in this world, but he doesn't. God could force his will but he does. The, the all-powerful God of the universe could certainly bring about a world in which God's will is always done uh, in this world just like it is in heaven. He could force that. Just like when he created the universe itself, right? He could simply speak and, and, and his will would happen. It, his, he could just speak his will into existence and, and kingdoms would rise and fall and, and, and evil could be obliterated uh, uh, Natural disasters could come or, or, or be abated. I mean, God could just speak and do it. And, uh, and, and if he can, though, why, why doesn't he? 
And, and some would say that, that at times he has, uh, uh, and, and I believe at times he has, but typically, usually, uh, God uh, doesn't just force his will. Why doesn't God act, as, as John Wesley put it in a sermon so many years ago, uh, he asked the question, why doesn't God act irresistibly and the thing is done? Wesley asked, and then he answered his own question. He said, then, if God did that, if God just forced his will, if God just irresistibly acted, Wesley said, then man would no longer, would be man no longer. His inmost nature would be changed. He would no longer be a moral agent any more than the sun or the wind. He would no longer be capable of virtue or vice, of reward or punishment. See, God could force his will, but he doesn't because he values our will, because he longs for us to choose him. He longs for us to choose his will, not to force his will on us. And, and there's a big difference. God has given us the gift of choice. Uh, just a, a little over a week ago, we were, we were chatting with one of our neighbors in the evening. We went out and took our dog for a walk, and, and uh, he, we, we run into, uh, cross paths with, with uh, our, our neighbors a lot in, in doing that. And, and uh, uh, this one particular guy, we're standing there talking with him, and, and uh, uh, he was explaining the process of, of when they adopted their little schnauzer, Bella. And uh, I say little, it's still twice the size of our dog, who's just tiny. But uh, uh, I, I won't say that, that our dog, Harley, and and Bella are friends, but you might think so because of their sniffing rituals, but we don't need to go into all that. But uh, so while they're having their little sniff fest, our neighbor's explaining that, that, that he and his wife had, had gone to the kennel and uh, the mother dog had had four puppies and, and one male, three females. The male was already spoken for. The three females are there in the area. And, and, uh, and, and so uh, uh, he, he and his wife went in there and, and he sat down uh, in the kennel. In two, two of the females kind of were just off play and didn't really notice much. And one came right over to him and nuzzled up to him. And his wife said, well, I guess that's the one. She chose you. And that was over nine years ago, and now uh, little Bella is, uh, is standing there on the side of the road on the path. And uh, I, I, now, when our neighbor and his wife went in there, uh, uh, he could have just reached down and, and grabbed a dog. I will take this one, right? But he didn't. He let her choose. There's, there's something significant about choice instead of force, right? It's, it's the I want to. It's, it's, it's the I want you. I'm expressing my will. And that will is part of how God has created us in his image. As Wesley said, if that's taken away, then it's almost like we're less than human. If that choice is taken away, then it negates the significance of any relationship, especially our relationship with God. God doesn't force his will because he wants us to choose him. And so because God has created us with our own free will, it is also true that we can force our will, but we shouldn't. So, so God has, has, uh, can force his will, but he doesn't. We can force our will, but we shouldn't. 
you have a will, I have a will, uh, we, we have, this would have been a great day to line up the, uh, the lawyers in the back and direct you to, to make a will, right? Um, no, we didn't do that, but if anybody needs to, I can give you a couple names. Anyway, uh, we, we all have a, we want certain things, right? Depending on your personality, you might uh, demand uh, your will more forcefully or you may be more uh, passive about it or, or maybe you're just passive aggressive about it. Or, uh, but, but, but we all have things that we want. We, we say that a, that a child is willful, right? If they, if they don't submit to uh, authority, if they don't obey. Many people uh, come up uh, against boundaries that are placed in their lives by authorities in their lives and they, they bristle and they fight back because they want their own way. It's a natural byproduct of having been created with free will. It's, it's possible to choose your own way and to ignore God's way. That, that, that's a definite possibility. God has given us a gift of choice, but that means that it is possible to choose uh, uh, our own way and not God's way. But when we choose to follow our own will, we go alone. We go without God's blessing. We go without God's direction. We go without God's involvement. C.S. Lewis famously wrote, uh, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. Without that self-choice, there would, could be no hell. No soul that seriously and constantly desires joy will ever miss it. Those who seek, find. Those who knock, it is opened. We can force our will, but we shouldn't. So God has a will, but he doesn't force it on us. He wants us to choose his will. And, uh, and, and so then... Um, philosopher, Jewish philosopher back in the 70s, Martin Buber, uh, uh, took this a little bit further. And he, he said this then, and let's see what we think about this. Uh, let, uh, he, he wrote this, let your will be done, saying that, praying that prayer, let your will be done is all we pray. But in truth, uh, uh, but truth goes on to say for us, through me whom you need. So, so Martin Buber is saying uh, that, that really when we're praying thy will be done, uh, we're, we're, we're saying God do it through me because you need me. And God, so he's saying God needs us in order to accomplish his will. Is, is that true? Well, Les, Wesley would say, ah, wouldn't quite go that far. Wesley would say, no, but God chooses to work with us, not in spite of us, right? God chooses to work with us and through us, not in spite of us. The, the Bible you have in your hands today or on your device or that you should have uh, in your hands today or on, on your device this morning in front of you, it, it, among other things, it is a compilation of accounts of God's work in and through the lives of people. From Adam to Abraham to Moses to the prophets and priests and kings to fishermen and tax collectors and zealots and, and men and women, too many to name, God has chosen to work out his will in the world through us, not in spite of us. When, when we are praying for God's will to be done, we are volunteering our lives as the channels through which that will is accomplished. It's not just, God, do your will out there somewhere. Hope that happens. Good luck with that. When we pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're saying, do it right here, right now, through me. You can force your own will, but then you forfeit your chance to see God work through your life. 
So God can force his will, but he doesn't. We can force our will, but we shouldn't. Instead, we should submit to God's will because it's best. Praying thy will be done is a prayer of submission and obedience because if God is going to accomplish his will, he's going to do it through you. Thinking about all of this and, and uh, uh, imposing will or, or those kinds of things, uh, it brought to mind, I'm not sure why, uh, but it brought to mind the concept of, of breaking horses, wild horses, right? Now, I'm no cowboy and I'm never going to be one. Uh, never had a horse. Frankly, they're a little big, right? And uh, uh, some of you, my wife included, would say, buck up and get over it, cowboy. But... Um, uh, <laughs> There's that concept, right, of breaking, and I guess my only experience with that is, is watching old westerns where they gather up the wild horses and they put them in a pen and then some old boy gets in there with, with uh, dust and tobacco and, and uh, his whip and whatever else and he goes in and he, he uh, you know, those, those horses are bucking and, and biting and kicking and, and, uh, and that guy gets in there with his whip and his spurs and he breaks that horse's will so that they can be used, it can be ridden, it can be used uh, on the farm, all those kinds of things. And then uh, you you know the 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 movie Robert Redford movie years ago the horse whisperer probably you've heard that term even if you haven't seen the movie not sure it's that great anyway but um, the, uh, uh, the 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 concept of the horse whisperer and that movie was based on a real guy out west who trained horses in a different way instead of beating them into submission and breaking their will uh, he he did it a little di- and he actually he's still doing it today his name is buck branneman and uh, there was a there was a, a little news story on him a uh, a little while ago uh, just a couple minutes let's let's watch this together about buck branneman the real horse whisperer renowned horseman buck branneman is on the clues ranch in san diego about to work with a troubled mare the one fellow, last time he caught her, he got kicked, almost broke his leg. So, and she's just bothered. She's not, it's not personal. All right. He enters the ring with only a rope. As I move her around the corral, we'll sort of get a feel for each other. That feel for horses is legendary. His gift inspired The Horse Whisperer, the best-selling novel that became a Robert Redford film. The movie was fictionalized, but now Branneman's own story is being told in a documentary. Everything you do with a horse, it's a dance. The film shows his ability to understand a horse and its fears. His insight was hard won. It came out of a traumatic boyhood. My dad had a violent temper. He was a terrifying person. Buck says he was nearly broken by a father who subjected him and his brother to brutal beatings. You take viewers through this personal journey that you had as a child, one that was was very difficult. Well, having grown up through some pretty dark things in my life, you end up with a with an empathy for the horses. Empathy will be needed today if he's to reach this horse. It's in their nature when they're troubled to escape. His approach is gentle. There's no attempt to break the animal. Gradually, trust develops. There she kind of worked her mouth a little bit, and she said, I think that might work. Before long, a breakthrough. There. Now she's starting to kind of look me up a little bit here. The whole process from this to this has taken Buck less than 15 minutes. When you see this horse that was so afraid when you walked in, and she can't leave your side right now. (laughs) You never get tired of seeing that. You know, I mean, I think of the thousands and thousands that I've worked with, but it's, you, never, you never get tired of that. 
Kareen Winter, CNN, San Diego, California. Not, uh, not a lot of breaking of the will involved there, right? In less than 15 minutes, Buck had the trust of that troubled horse by simply relating to it, listening to it, guiding it. And I wonder if that gives us a bit of a glimpse of how God deals with us. He, he loves you. He only wants what is best for you. He doesn't come to you forcefully to, to break you into submission. He loves you and you can trust him to run the world and to run your life. And so you, you pray for his will, not just your will to be done. And, and that's hard because it might mean having to go through some things you'd rather not go through, right? It might be uncomfortable or, or painful or worse. That's, that's how it was for Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, the, the night he was betrayed after, after recruiting his disciples to, uh, to, to pray with him. Matthew 26 says that Jesus prayed the same prayer three different times. He, he prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. He's praying the, the, the same thing he'd already taught his disciples to pray. Uh, Thy will be done, right? Uh, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. I, we don't need a show of hands today, but have you ever, has there ever been a, a, a cup come into your life that you would have liked to have taken a pass on? Has there ever been anything that was definitely not your will? And you let God know it. <laughs> I, I think we pray the first part of Jesus' Gethsemane prayer all the time. <laughs> Father, get this painful thing away from me, uh, as far away from me as possible. Uh, I don't want to walk through this. And if God does that, then we praise him. And if he doesn't, then more often than not, we curse him because we think that he has let us down because we didn't get our will. <laughs> Jesus didn't teach us to pray for our will. We catch that? Jesus taught us to pray for God's will to be done. Like with Jesus, when the, those things come into our lives that we wish didn't come into our lives, could it be that, that those things are God's will? That he's letting us go through those hard things? Could it be that he didn't let us down when that happened? Maybe his will is being done on earth as it is in heaven, even when it's difficult. <laughs> Dr. Michael Lodal writes, Within hours of praying that God's will be done, Jesus was gasping desperately for air as he bled on a Roman cross. Are you and I really willing to pray this prayer? May it never be simply cheap memorized words. By the marvelous grace of God, may the will of our loving God be accomplished in our everyday lives and in the everyday situations and relationships in which we find ourselves. God heard Jesus' prayer. He understood what Jesus wanted. But he had a different plan. And the key component was that Jesus submitted to God's will, not his own. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. God could force his will, but he doesn't. Uh, we can force our will, but we shouldn't. Instead, we need to submit to God's will because it's best. 
And maybe you're already there. Maybe you walked in today and you're already there. Yeah, I get it. I understand. I've walked through some stuff. I know that God wants to work through me. I've seen him walk, work through me. I, and, and I submit to his will and I want to do his will. Uh, I, I want that to happen. Maybe you walked in and you're going, Pastor, you're not telling me anything new. I'm not, I'm not, I got it. Great. Thank you. The, the question that I have though, Pastor, preacher, guy up there, I'll do it. Just tell me what God's will is and I'll do it. But I don't know what God's will is. What, what is God's will? Well, there are, um, we have in our house, there are certain situations where our son Nick uh, has, he's come to call them a, a who knows situation. Kind of says it just like, I'm, I'm not sure I'm quite getting it yet, but we'll, we'll see. So he, he came home from his job at the Grand Cafe a few weeks ago, and uh, uh, a little part had gone missing from, from one of the blenders or the coffee machines. It's something they used to, to make the coffee drinks there, and, and, and they looked all over for it, and they traced the movements of different workers who had access to, to, to that machine that day, and, and they had different ideas of what might have happened. Uh, maybe it was this person, and maybe they uh, set it off over here, or maybe this happened, or... But ultimately, at the end of the day, Nick said that he and his manager basically came to the conclusion that that they probably were not going to figure it out. It was just a, who knows? Not going to get it. In his other job at the uh, the clothing warehouse, these situations happen even more regularly. If you've never been to the clothing warehouse, I would describe it a little bit like a garage sale, but with new uh, new items instead, uh, uh, closeouts, maybe damaged freight, uh, things returned to Amazon. Uh, you can get some great deals in there. Uh, I, I'm, this isn't an advertisement, but uh, we've gotten far more great deals than we should over the year over the years he's worked there. Uh, but uh, great, uh, good stuff. But it's not the neatest place in the world. I'm, I'm just gonna. It's, it's not exactly. Pre, it's not Target. All right, you're you're not like walking through. Pre- shelves and I mean and that but that's part of the thing right because you want to dig for your deals right you gotta you gotta there's a little bit of a hunt involved you got to discover so so anyway so he there have been times when he finds things out of place which Nick is a very got to get them all set up in order so when things are out of place this is a this is a problem uh, one time he found a packet of bolts inside a uh, a case of chips didn't quite belong uh, he's found pieces of things on the floor. It's supposed to be part of a package. Somebody opened up the package and the pieces or, or whatever and uh, pieces, parts, and, and, uh, and he didn't see what happened or anything. But uh, lately, they've had a, a, a boatload of shoes. I don't know if you've been in there lately. So many shoes. So many shoes. So many. And they're just in big bins, right? Well, they've got a few. Then the nicer ones are. But then they've got these. I mean, they're like people could, could drown in the shoes inside these. There's big bins, right? And, and some of them, I mean, it's good that some of them are like connected together. But not all of them, right? And they're in the big bins and you've got bins. And there's more bins in the back that didn't make it out because there wasn't enough room. And, and you've just got shoes. And, and I mean, it's a regular occurrence, <laughs> when uh, when Nick will come home and talk about uh, at least once a week, he'll talk about uh, trying to help a customer find the match to a shoe, and he's dug through the bins. And uh, there have been times when he's found it, and that's a great day. But more often than not, uh, he has to break it to the customer that that uh, finding matching shoes at the clothing warehouse is usually uh, who knows, who knows. When it comes to the question of knowing God's will, I think a lot of times we just relegate it into the same category of finding shoes at a clothing warehouse. It's just a, who knows? 
I'll pray for God's will, but I probably don't ever know what God's will is going to be. I mean, we can make some guesses. We can, we can try to come up with something that, that, that feels right. But at the end of the day, God's will is just a mystery, right? Well, I'm going to push back on that a little bit today because there are, first of all, First of all, there are many things in the world that we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt are God's will. Uh, we can find ourselves asking for God's direction in things that he has been abundantly crystal clear about in the Bible. If you, if you spend time in the Bible, you'll know that uh, you'll find a lot of things there that describe God's will. Uh, just, a, just a few things. God is for morality and righteousness, and he's against sin. Did you know that? If you read the Bible, we probably have figured that out. I mean, there are lists in the Old Testament and the New Testament of sins that we should avoid and, and lists of, and, and stories about uh, morals and, and, and righteous living, the ways that we should live and things that we should uphold. You don't have to pray about whether God wants you to kill someone. No, okay? Uh, you, you, or, or if you should lie to somebody. No, okay, it's, it's in there, it's, it's right there. You don't have to pray about whether, should you have an affair? No, it's in there, don't do it. Don't pray about it, uh, just don't do it, okay? Uh, we could go on and on. Uh, on the other side of it, should I tell the truth? Yes. Uh, should I help someone who's hurting? Yes. Uh, should I alleviate suffering and injustice in the world? All the time, Nike has it right, just do it, right? There are, there are righteous things, righteous ways of living, morality that God wants us to attain to, and we don't have to pray about those things. He's already told, this is my will, just live it out, just do it. Another thing we don't have to pray about is uh, that, that God wants to develop his character in us. We, maybe you know the, the list, maybe you have them up on your wall, the fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are, these are character qualities that the spirit of God grows inside of, uh, of, of, uh, uh, of his followers, building God's character within us. And it's God's will that these character qualities would be growing within us. We don't have to wonder about what character we should be growing in our lives. It is God's will to grow his fruit in you. It's also God's will that we be holy, that, that, that we live holy life. I mean, it's, I mean, to quote chapter and verse, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. I wonder what God's will, well, maybe it's God's will that we should be sanctified, that we should be holy, that we should let him cleanse us from the inside out. There's no question. We, we don't have to have a, who knows? Well, I don't know. Well, maybe, I don't know. Whatever God's will, just do. We can do this. I, one more thing that's just abundantly clear. There's a lot. One more that I'm gonna highlight today and I'll get off my high horse, I guess. Oh, horse. See what I did there? Didn't even mean to. Look at that. God wants everyone to be saved, to, to come to a place of repentance. Second Peter 3.9 says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. It's right there. God wants everyone to repent. We don't need to question if God wants to save humans. It is always God's will that people would come to faith in Jesus. He wants everyone to repent. So, so should you share your faith? 
Should you let other people know that God loves them? Should you pray for people to turn from sin and turn to God? Yes, yes, and yes. It's always yes. Praying for God's will to be done includes praying for people to come to faith in him and to let God do that through you. I, there, there's, there's more. There's just, just hitting a few of the highlights, I guess, today. The, the, the Bible is very clear about what God desires. I love the uh, imagery Pastor Andy Stanley uh, used several years ago when, when he uh, uh, preached about God's will. He said that, that all of Scripture, following all those principles, gets us heading down the road in the right direction. And actually, those principles are kind of the guardrails that go along the sides of the road so that if we start veering one way or the other, God's principles kind of keep us heading down the road of God's will, uh, heading in the right direction. Uh, his will is spelled out there, and, and uh, so his will is done on earth as we follow the principles of Scripture. And so if we're going, who knows? I don't know how to live. I don't know what to do. We've got to follow the principles of Scripture. That means that we've got to be involved in and, and digging through and spending time with scripture all the time in order to know what that is and to discover his will that's probably another sermon but so we've got these principles and okay it's God's will for for these things but pastor preacher guy up there on the platform there are decisions that I need to make in my life and it's not in the bible the Bible does not say specifically if you should take that new job or not. I can't quote you chapter and verse, okay? I, I can't, I can't uh, quote the, the section that, that tells you who you should marry. I'm sure that uh, you come up with a lot of other questions of things, specific things, day to day, uh, week to week, and, and we go, oh, I wonder what God's will is in this. And uh, it's not a question of whether you're going to do it. You've already decided that no matter what God's will is, if you know God's will, you're going to do it. You've, you've submitted to that. Yeah, you, you've, you've decided, you're surrendered to God's will, you're going to do it. It just feels like his will is a big, who knows? Again, it's probably, well, it's literally, I have, I have preached series of sermons on discovering God's will. Uh, we don't have time to dive into that today, and all God's people said, amen. So uh, we, uh, uh, but I encourage you, if you are uh, dealing with that or, or struggling with that, uh, you know, look up the, uh, the archive sermons online or, or, or uh, a great book that I'd recommend to anyone anywhere uh, on the subject is called Whisper by Mark Batterson. Grab that book, uh, write that down, and uh, uh, um, uh, you can, it will give you some direct specific instruction. But, but today, as we're discovering what it means to pray with Jesus, I just want to tell you this one thing, and, and literally, I, I think this one thing can really make all the difference in all of this. How do we know the will of God? We get to know God. <laughs> it's a relationship. And if you're not digging into that relationship with him, you're not going to know what he wants you to do. Use your free will that he has gifted to you and choose to live in a vibrant, close relationship with him. Trust him, love him, choose to follow him. As soon as I uh, wrote that down this week for this sermon, there was a song that sprung to mind. It's from years ago in, in uh, youth group, and, and I'm not going to sing it to you because the, the, uh, the tune is kind of, I don't know, you know how songs from years ago, they, they worked then, but they probably don't work now. You know, anyway, I want to quote you the, 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 the lyrics because it, uh, I think it's spot on. It, it simply says this, I choose to follow, I choose to let you lead. With childlike faith, I'll walk each day knowing that you are all I need. I choose to love you because you've chosen me. 
of all the things that I could choose to do, I choose to follow you. Praying thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven is a prayer of submission of your will to God's. It's a prayer of surrender. It's a willingness to do all that it takes to see God's will accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. American evangelist uh, J. Wilbur Chapman years ago had, a, had an opportunity to meet General William Booth. Uh, it, Booth is the founder of the Salvation Army. And, and, and at the time that, that J. Wilbur Chapman uh, met with him, Reverend Booth was nearing the end of his life. Dr. Chapman asked the general if he would uh, tell him the secret for his his success in ministry. This was written later. Dr. Chapman wrote it down, and and so this is is what he wrote about that meeting. Dr. Chapman said, he hesitated a second, and I saw the tears come into his eyes and steal down his cheeks. And then he said, I will tell you the secret. God has had all there was of me. There have been men with greater brains than I, men with greater opportunities, but from the day I got the poor of London on my heart and a vision of what Jesus Christ could do with the poor of London, I made up my mind that he would have all of William Booth there was. And if there is anything of power in the Salvation Army today, it is because God has all the adoration of my heart, all the power of my will, and all of the influence of my life. Dr. Chapman said that he went away from that meeting with William Booth knowing, quote, the greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. And I think that that is the essence of what it means to pray four little words. Your will be done. 